Christmas to all and to all a good night. Left Coast Sims, different locations, audio only. Playoffs are coming into focus. What's good, Sims? Hey, what's up, bro? I mean, I could get used to this. I'm sitting in my robe right now, drinking uh, coffee in the kitchen. Uh, Hope the echo's not too bad, uh, but you're going to get a real life Sims experience if you're out there listening today. And I am the only person currently in the Bleacher Report New York office. It is quiet. It is wonderful. And I just want to say also, today's podcast is presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. That's right. We have a sponsor in week 16. Today's podcast. I'm going to say it again because they're awesome. Presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Well, let me say it. Today's podcast is presented by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Well done. Speaking of fantasy, I do not know the results yet, but the SLFL Super Championships. That's right. The champion of all 28 leagues were facing off this week. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with Oakland-Denver, but I'm sure our man Meatloaf Henry is going to tabulate it all to figure out the first ever Sims and Lefko fantasy champion. Excited about that. Yeah. Uh, also, in terms of just other podcast stuff, before we break down the games, and, and I have at the end of this, the top 10 Lefko sprinkles from week 16, Ooh. and they're good ones. You're going to like them. I want to first say, big prediction that came true, Dallas Cowboys won the NFC East. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Oh, man, we're amazing. We're so smart. We know more than everybody. Woo, Yeah. However, there is something that will be settled in Week 17, Sims, that will determine who picked more division winners, you or me. Right. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. If Baltimore wins the North, I think we tie. If the Steelers win the North, you win the overall division winner picker battle. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My Super Bowl hopes took a big, uh, a big hit yesterday with, with uh, the Steelers losing, certainly. Yeah, but your Super Bowl game that you picked, Saint Steelers, awesome game. I wanted to give you a round of applause for like, like the the matchup that you picked was a super fun matchup to watch. It was, it was. That was a great game yesterday, and uh, it, again, it showed the Saints why they're so great, their ability to play in any style of game, and also came back to our one thing we always talk about, Lefko, with the Steelers. They just always find a way to screw up some certain uh. situation or do something to shoot themselves in the foot. In a day where I know we're going to talk about it more in a minute, but I just in a day where I did feel like they were the better team on the field yesterday. I'm not saying they're better, but they were better on the field yesterday. You were better than me in the bets. I'm just going to wrap this all up right here. Sims hit his two big $730 bets, nailing Baltimore plus four and a half and Pittsburgh plus six. He made currently heading into Monday Night Football 1510 and I am currently down 100 heading into Monday Night Football, which means if I get Monday Night Football right, I'm going to be even again for the week at zero. Sims, you're either going to be down 12-10 
heading into week 17 or 990. You have made an epic comeback. I am frightened. I am nervous. You went 5-0 and and guaranteed to lose, and I went 2-1-1, and and I'm not going to lie to you, Sims. I ended up switching one of my locks to the Steelers after Cam Jordan made those comments. <laughs> I love I'm be- it. I'm being serious. When Cam, jo- when that video came out and you and me were standing in the studio and Cam Jordan was going, oh, man, Ben Roethlisberger isn't a Hall of Famer. I texted Canvasser and said, I'm switching one of my locks to the Steelers because I'm confident. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Good for you. Yeah. No. And the Steelers, of course, they matched up well with the Saints, but hey, it's playoff time and uh, I'm just getting my bets together. I'm getting ready for the playoffs. I'm giving 110%. I'm rounding into form. Uh, I had to raise my game to another level and it's one week at a time and I got to do it one more week next week. So I could pull even with you like that. that was that was really well done. <laughs> uh, take a look at the playoff picture right now. Saints lock up home field advantage, which in my mind kind of locks them up going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know that's that's a big statement. I was really exaggerating there, but Rams and and Bears can still fight it out for that other home field advantage. But it looks like the Rams are going to get or the buy at the two. Bears are at the three. Dallas locks up the four seed. Seattle pretty much locks up the five seed, and it's going to come down to Minnesota and Philadelphia to get in the sixth seed right there. Uh, Minnesota plays Chicago. Philadelphia plays Washington at four o'clock. That's been flexed in the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs just have to beat the Raiders, and they lock up home field advantage with a Texans loss and the Patriots. Got, I don't know, it wasn't a pretty game. Beating Buffalo, they're now in the two seed, right. which is, you know, yet the ninth straight season that they'll get a playoff bye, which is insane. Houston gets the three as of right now. Um, that you have currently Baltimore at the four, Chargers at the five, and then Tennessee and Indy will fight it out on Sunday night football for the six, which is awesome television. Baltimore plays Cleveland. Pittsburgh plays Cincinnati. Baker Mayfield could knock the Ravens out of the playoffs, which would be really, really great. And we're currently sitting here at the Steelers not making the playoffs. And I I look here at the Eagles and the Steelers on the outside looking in, and I'm going, damn, both of those teams, no one would want to face right now, and they both waited way too long to make this run. Gosh, well, I mean, the the Steelers, it's the, I mean, they were eight and two. I mean, they were sitting pretty. I know. uh, They just fell apart. And yeah, it's amazing what your Eagles are doing, Lefko. I'm rooting against the Eagles uh, hard. Screw you. Yeah, I really am. I don't like the whole turning on Carson Wentz and everybody thinking it's just one guy. So I I don't think that's happening. I know. Well, I feel like it is a little bit. So that's bothered me. And uh, therefore, I've become an Eagle hater now, just so you know. Oh, screw you. That's um, unnecessary. Hey, wait, getting back to the NFC, <laughs> getting back to the NFC picture, though, you know, it is amazing too, just what we're going to see this weekend with the Bears still being able to get the number two seed yep. and M- Minnesota having to f- win to get in. I mean, uh, it's amazing. And I wouldn't be shocked too. The Rams having to play the San Francisco 49ers. Man, there's nothing that would make Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers more happy to spoil those dreams and take away that first round bye from the Rams. So, uh, yeah, I think that really is my question with Chicago, Minnesota, because the way it currently stands, if Chicago, if Minnesota wins, Chicago would pretty much play Minnesota in the wild card round. So, how do you, it's, it's really, if you knock them out, I guess you get to play Philadelphia. But also, you know, 
and and their division rivals. There's so many questions about how you actually go about that game if you're Chicago. Yes, you're right. I mean, playing a team three times in a year is is never fun. Uh, and, and yes, especially when it's a team like Minnesota who has tremendous defensive talent and can make you know plays on that side of the ball to change a game. Yeah, it's they're they're in a tough spot, but it doesn't matter. They're going to play to win because they want to be that number two seed. That'll oh. increase their Super Bowl chances by so much. Uh, and then, of course, knock the Rams down to where then they can have the rematch with Minnesota or maybe play your Eagles again and have to deal with that. All right, we're going to jump into Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Before we do, one other news and note that happened before we did the podcast uh, today. Yeah. Uh, Josh Gordon, yeah. officially stepping out, not going to play again this season, came out and said, I'm taking time away uh, for myself to figure out how I can battle my addictions. Uh, shortly after that, it kind of came out that there was a suspension looming. But the reactions of all the Patriots, from Belichick to Brady to Edelman, from social media to press conferences to comments, um, the, it, they're all taken aside. They're all standing by him. Uh, I think for me, I, I go right to the football perspective, which is, wow, this is a team that really doesn't have their offense clicking in a passing game perspective, and they lose their main receiving threat. Right. Um, it. It just seems like a monster blow to a team that really couldn't handle blows anymore. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a tough blow. It really is. And especially I always think about just like down the future. What does it mean? And I think a game's like, OK, if they had to play Pittsburgh again or if they had to go to Kansas City and play Kansas City and all of a sudden they have to get in a shootout and now you don't have a Josh Gordon in that type of matchup. That's where I think it comes back to bite the the Patriots in the butt. But just like you saw yesterday, Lefko, they'll find another way to start yeah. featuring somebody else. Oh, there's Cordero Patterson back at tailback again. Oh, there, there's Rex Burkhead exactly. with a handful of catches. Right. You know, so they're going to just. Yeah, but th- but th- none of them have the go up and get it 50-50 ability no. of Josh Gordon. No, they and, do not. And, You're right. And that's, I mean, in the playoff football, it's it's everything. It, I mean, it is. In big situations, a lot of the times it does. It comes down to matchup football and where's your best matchup across the field. And yeah, you know, Rob Gronkowski is no longer the great mismatch he once was. And I, you know, like we've been saying for the last month or so, you know, it looked like Josh Gordon was kind of in that that trust tree with Tom Brady as far as, yeah. you know, let me throw it up. But I, I'm with you, too. The responses from the Patriots, too. You know, it's it just shows you that if you go up there and be a professional and contribute to the team, they will back you. That's the one thing. And they realized the kind of guy they were signing up there, that he had demons. And, yeah, it seemed like those demons kind of crept back into his life. And I mean, you saw the report yesterday, too, Lefko. It sounds like it's about more his than, bye week. Well, it's more than marijuana, too. It sounds like yeah. it was multiple drugs now. So that's where it gets scary and you don't want his life to, you know, spiral out of control. So good luck. To yeah. Him, and we'll see where I- it goes. It's funny because I think when people talk about it and they don't talk about it from from football stance, stance, they have to make it like this huge like statement about humanity and all this stuff. I'm just going to say this. If if you are addicted or you are facing mental health issues, then that's your number one concern is you need to find a way to be healthy for you. And football's still just a game. And I'm not even doing this to like be like, I'm holier than thou. It's like I have never been in a situation where I didn't have control. And I fear for Josh Gordon, and I hope he can get that because like I, I, this isn't like I. people are like, oh, he needs to have discipline. It's To me, it's if you need time, take time because it clearly looks like you need it. 
And that's being a human is more important than being a football player. Yes, yes, exactly right. Your life, football, I mean, you know, it, it's such a short part of your life. I played eight years. A lot of people go, well, you played a long time in the NFL. And I want to be like, well, it was nothing. It was a blink of an eye. It probably it, felt like a snap. It does. I mean, my dad played 15 years and, you know, and yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I played 15 years, but now it's, you know, 25 years later after my career and you realize exactly. it is, it's just a small part of your life and you do have to get that, you know, your personal life in, in order. And he obviously has some issues it's more about just addiction. It's other things that he's taking these drugs to make yeah. him feel numb from ha- not having to feel things and things like that. And hopefully he can get it right. All right. Let's get into the games. We're going to start off with Pittsburgh. Hold, hold New on one second. I got to get my waitress. Charlotte. Oh, my gosh. I, I need um, some more coffee. Can you go get it for me? Well, just grab the pot and then come over here and pour it for me. Well, this is a le- this is a lesson right here we're getting. Oh yes, yeah, it's her first coffee pour. We're getting our go ahead. Feel free to keep talking, Ufko. I'm just uh, I don't want to get up from my spot. <laughs> now you can bring it here. Just grab the handle. <laughs> I don't. I kind of want to hear this. You okay. Hear this? Uh, no. Right, so Pittsburgh, New Orleans. It really went exactly as you said it would. Like you really nailed it. To be honest, Big Ben came out there, played great, stepped it up. The defense showed a lot of athleticism. Uh, I will give credit to Drew Brees and say that he played a very good game, including some very good throws at the end. For me, the player of the game was Alvin Kamara. Uh, Whatever he wanted to do, he did. It was really special. Uh, At the same point, Ridley getting the ball at a crucial time and fumbling. Why was he in the game? The the punt fake that they did up with four minutes left because they thought it was a really good play. And if you're just going to go for it, then you put Big Ben on the field. The juju fumble at the very end of the game. Pittsburgh is one of the most frustrating teams in the NFL, and it always because of their undoing. But you could have made an argument that they were the better team for 60 minutes. Yeah, yes, I, I, I can. You know, I, oh, I, One other thing I forgot. Yeah, go ahead. One of many games yesterday in which the referees were hot garbage. Uh, I mean, I think that's probably the first thing you have to talk about because... I mean, the Joe Hayden-Alvin Kamara pass interference, it changed the entire complexity of the game from the start. Yes, it did. That was a horrible call. I do feel like, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of got the... uh, There was two bad pass interference calls in the first half. I felt like that really hurt their team and put them in a bad spot. So, yes, they got a little unlucky with the the refs, like you said. Um, You know, again, yeah, you mentioned all the mistakes mistakes that the Steelers have made throughout the game I mean of course the fourth the fourth down punt I just don't understand the timing of it okay I'm all for being like aggressive with a fake punt every now and then that type of play and I believe what was it Lefko fourth and five maybe almost fourth and six like that's a play you run when it's like fourth and two or fourth and three that was the first Mm. thing that popped to my brain it was just that's too far to run that play in that situation so that's the one thing I'll say there Another aspect of the game that I thought was crazy, and you know, you just think about Pittsburgh blowing a situation, and Joe Hayden had a tough day. I don't think there's any denying that. But how about the end of the half? There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything's good. It's 14 all. And they let them go down in 30 seconds. And if you remember, they throw a check down to Alvin Kamara. They have no timeout. For like 45 yards. And they let them turn it up the field and get out of bounds. I mean, those are things where I looked at and go. Okay, so the game was tied. You got momentum. You went into the half and lost the momentum in 30 seconds. And then 
Pitts, and then the the Saints got the ball to start the second half and did the old New England thing and st- and gave out a ten point swing uh, because of bad situational football again by the Pittsburgh Steelers in some big moments. Man, I'm going to give you. Uh, should I save my my Lefko sprinkles to give you ten at a time, or should I throw it in here as well? Well, if you feel like I think if why we're talking about the game, if it's to do with okay. the game, yeah, let's do it. All right, here are a few of my Lefko sprinkles. I had three from this game alone. Number one, Alvin Kamara is incredible, but I'll tell you what, on that exact play you're talking about, do you remember what Tony Romo said as soon as the play happened afterwards? He goes, what a throw. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it, we still do this with Drew Brees sometimes where we give him credit for like the 50 yards of running that Alvin Kamara did when like, sure, he put it right there, but it was a five-yard throw. Like that was my first thing that I thought when I heard that. I was like, come on, Tony, you're better than that. Yes, I, I hear you. Yeah, that that is uh, something that is a little overrated in Drew Brees' game. We talk about that too. Oh, he's so surgical. Look at the greatest you know, completion percentage in the history of the sport. Yes, he's awesome. And he made some plays yesterday where yes, he, did. he escaped out of the pocket or was under pressure and made some big-time throws. But yes, I get sick of that kind of talk too, Lefko. I will there. say this, though. For the playoff run, my favorite thing to watch with the Saints is after every play, the lick-lick pad pull by Drew Brees. He has OCD. Yes. Like he definitely does. Licks one hand, licks the other, and then pulls his side pad, like right. his That's chest it. plate on the side. Every time, there's no doubt Every about time. it. Yes, I know. All right, and then uh, Not- yeah, there's a there's a few other guys that have some uh, some weird you know quirks. I, Aaron Rodgers, I've been noticing his lately too. We have to talk about that one day. Uh, the I uh, two more sprinkles from this game uh, when the Saints were playing. The Big Ben was trying to do drives at the end of the game, and the Saints yes. were playing like 80s rock music. And I was like, this is steroids for Ben. Like it was like it was like they were playing Twisted Sister, and Ben's like, let's go, baby. I was like, change <laughs> the music. Ben needs this crap. I did not notice that. You know, I I there's other games, and I'm not in control of the controller, so they changed the sound around, but uh that that's hilarious. Yes. And go then ahead. my other left go sprinkle. My other left yeah. go sprinkle is Antonio Brown goes 14 for 185 and two touchdowns. If Antonio Brown played his entire career in Indianapolis or New Orleans, he might be the greatest receiver of all time. Like Antonio Brown on that playing surface is unguardable. Yes, he is. He his, he's well. He's at the point of his career where he's more quick than fast, and to get a quick guy like that on that on that uh, surface, you're right. It, they become lightning fast, and he was amazing yesterday. And so was Juju Smith Schuster. You know, I mean, he was. Yeah, that I, I was where you know I know you and I talked about that last week where we thought the Steelers could have a day because the Steelers' O line is so good; they could pass protect. The Saints, even though their defense has been so much better, you know, it doesn't matter if you give Big Ben and that offense that has enough schematics to get open against anybody and he has that type of time. I I thought they could gash him. I'm just a little disappointed again that Pittsburgh didn't run the ball a little bit more. I I thought there were some times they should have ran the ball and you referred to the Stephen Ridley, who has a fumbling history, and we're going to give him the ball on the biggest play of the game 
you know, I, I don't understand that one either. Sims, the Steelers at the end of the game are giving the ball to Steven Ridley and throwing all of their passes to James Washington. Yes, I know. I, well, like, you know, come the, on. I know the James Washington. It, it has not been great first year. There's no doubt about that. And I, I always had my questions about him uh, coming out. He's kind of a one trick pony. But you know what I did see from the Saints in some big moments there, too. They were doubling. They were doubling Juju and Amy. Yeah, but that's fine. But where's Vance McDonald? I would rather line it up to Vance McDonald. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, But overall, I thought Kamara was special. Uh, Steelers, it's funny. On field goals, they're either offsides or they're blocking it, which I actually think is better than just letting a team kick a field goal. I thought TJ Watt had some really big baller moments, and it just sucks because – uh, I think the, the the thing that sucked is to not have the Steelers in the playoffs and to have yes. the entire NFC go through the Saints kind of takes away a lot of the mysteriousness of what the playoffs could be. Well, I mean, hey, the the, the Saints have... But the Saints deserved it. They do deserve it. Exactly right. That's what I wanted. The Saints deserve it through the body of work the whole year. They've played phenomenal football. Yeah, they're not playing their best ball right now, but that's, again, like we started, like we said at the start of the year, they weren't playing their best ball then, and we were like, well, damn, they're 4-1. and one. And they're, yep. They haven't played good, and they haven't played good again here the last four or five weeks, but they win more times than not. And I do have you know, faith that they'll go away for a week in that bye week. Sean Payton's going to – they'll really self-scout themselves and figure out mm. some of the things that have not worked as of late. And he'll have a whole new dimension in his playbook for that week one divisional round. And I really, yeah, the Saints are poised. I'd be shocked if they didn't make it to the Super Bowl at this point. Agreed. Um, you know, of course, they could they could be upset by a Bears team who can maybe make it ugly. But I do think the Saints are the clear favorite in the NFC. Let me give the Saints props and then take one more shot at them because it's been a fun season of doing that. Uh, my props is after the Dallas game, yeah. I said they would run the table and then go to the Super Bowl. So you're welcome. And number two, I would say... Another thing of of examples, remember when Drew Brees got deflected at the line and they swatted it down? Yes, that was a great Jim, play. It was, but Jim Nance goes, incredible. Drew Brees with the awareness to swat the ball. And I'm going, or we could focus on the fact that he's smaller and gets the ball swatted. But okay, sure. Yes, I'm such I a know. hater. I yeah. wrote in my notes, I was like, Lefko, you're an absolute hater. Yes. I have a problem. You have you have definitely become a hater on Drew Brees. You've crossed the line of being able to uh, subjectively evaluate him. Yes. Objectively. Objectively, yes. And I'm being very subjective. Yes, exactly. That's the exact. Thank you for straightening out my English there. But yeah, uh, again. If I saw him, though, I would be so polite. Well, he's awesome guy. He's an awesome player. It's not him uh, it's what we got to remind you got to remind yourself and you got to remind yeah. everybody else out there. You're not mad at him. You're mad at some of the dumb storylines or the narrative that gets put around him sometimes yeah. that you feel is false. And I get that part of it. I get frustrated with that as well. But uh, he's still pretty, pretty unbelievable what he's doing at this age. All right, let's go from the runner-up in the MVP race to the actual MVP. Ooh, another, another petty shot by Lefko. Well, listen. <laughs> I- it's, I, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching the Saints game, and it's Kamara all over the place. And then I turn on the Chiefs game, and it's like Patrick Mahomes by himself with two weapons. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But Chiefs Seahawks. Uh, I I candidly, uh, my girlfriend, two of her friends are were like about to. 
We thought they, that something big was going to happen in their life. It didn't happen. So I was watching across a bar at Kansas City, Seattle. So really, what's the big Sims take in this one as Russell Wilson continues to show how incredible he is in prime time? In prime time. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway I would take from this more than anything, and it's not really going to change anything from what you hear me say about either one of these teams. I mean, that game went like status quo to what I kind of expected. Oh, the Chiefs defense couldn't make a play in a big situation, couldn't get off the field, got dominated in the run game. I'm really surprised by that. That's really shocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's their issue. So, uh, again, the Seahawks are a different team at home. I still don't love their defense. I think they're, they're going to have issues on the road. Their defense, it's all going in the right direction. But there's nothing dominant on that side of the ball yet. Bobby Wagner's still the best middle linebacker in football, but I'm just talking about Ooh. a huge, Yeah, he's still amazing, man. I mean, every week, it's just it's, it's, it's top-notch football. He's having one of the best years of his career this year. But, um, yeah, I just don't look at any one unit on their defense and say that's a top unit in football right now. Uh, Russell Wilson, his ability to make big throws, and that run game is special to where – yeah, they're always going to compete. Russell's always going to make plays, and that's why they're dangerous in the playoffs and then their ability to run the ball and control the clock. But, you know, then going over to Kansas City, Lefko, it's the same issues. Yeah, Ugh. it's two guys or it's three guys. You know, I'll give Andy Reid credit for staying a little patient with the run game, but this is a team, and I don't know if you saw what I said on Sunday Night Football, like I just can't trust them in any type of games like this because I don't think their defense can make a stop to win a football game. If their offense doesn't have no, the ball, go, go. I don't think they can win. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 keep finishing your point. Yeah, I just if, I don't, if their offense doesn't have the ball last, like we saw in the Ravens game and things like that, I don't think they can win a football game. And there is still um, – you know, I think teams have figured out how to play Kansas City, and you've heard me complain about this with Kansas City a little bit already. They they just run their plays. They try to dress them up pre-snap, but I do think that they're going to have to find some more wrinkles in their offense, as is right now, and especially without Sammy Watkins. Again, I can't I can't overemphasize that enough. Like Kansas City is a playoff team without Sammy Watkins. But if they have Sammy Watkins, they're a Super Bowl team. And that's how big of a deal they're missing him. Like I would if you made me repick teams right now, if they got a healthy Sammy Watkins for the playoffs, I think I'd still pick Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. But without that, I'm not doing that right now. Maybe he'll be healthy. Yeah. Because right now, my two takeaways for those two teams. Yeah. I'm hearing everyone right now go, ooh, nobody wants to play the Seahawks. Bullshit. Nobody yeah. wants to play the Seahawks in Seattle. Exactly. Everyone should be very fine playing this. Like, how quickly we forget that they went to San Francisco and San Francisco moved the ball up and down at will. And, and then they relied on and I beat know. them. And they right. had two passes to Doug Baldwin, who I will say looks healthy, healthy again. Yeah, but that's right. my first thing. And the two is by Kansas City having home field advantage, that in essence mean that the Patriots have home field advantage because I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs have so many holes that yeah. they're either going to get eliminated shockingly, which really isn't shocking with Andy Reid, the Chiefs in the playoffs, in the divisional round, or the, if the Patriots end up going there in the championship game, I think they'll be fine because Tom Brady's going to be, you know, other than, other than the one or two huge plays that Chris Jones makes – that's it. Yeah, that's right. It's it's their 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 whole defense depends on three people. 
50, 55, and 95. And if Houston, uh, our man D Ford and Chris Jones can't make a mockery right. of the offensive line, they can't do anything on the defensive side of the ball. There's nothing else I look at and go, oh, wow. And, you know, it's too hard for three guys like that at that position to ruin a game because the other thing that has to get thrown into it, even though you go and go, wow, this is one of the better pass rushers in football, you they still don't have quality depth behind it. So they die out at the end of games. And we've seen that the last few weeks. They're di- There's only so many times you can go 100% rush the passer full speed. I have a 315-pounder hanging on my shoulder, and I'm either pushing them or trying to go around the edge on them all game long. Yeah, anybody out there, you try doing that and see how you feel late in the fourth quarter. You lose some of that explosiveness. And, yeah, that's where they hurt right now because at the end of the game, those guys aren't as fresh and they can't close games out. I will say that I'm loving the offensive system of the Seahawks in terms of the way they've established the run and now with the -the over-the-top aspects of Lockett and Baldwin really giving them some good levels concepts, which is I'm so happy that Russell Wilson's finally getting the credit he deserves. And also, I just, Sims, I don't even want to talk about it anymore, but Mahomes is so the MVP, it's like not even close. He's yes. the only reason they're here. Like, I, I think what I'm going to do for later this week is I believe the MVP should be like a boxing fight where you look at how many MVP worthy weeks you had. How many weeks could you have been considered a top five MVP candidate? Right. And I'm pretty sure at this point, Mahomes has been that for like 11 and a half of the 16 weeks. And I think Breeze has been that for like nine yeah. of the 16 weeks. And it's it's just about consistency on the road. And I'm still going, I'm still seeing this, Sims. Oh, another big game against a playoff team that Mahomes loses. And I added it up. They've the Chiefs have allowed 41 points per game in their four losses. Right. Like 41. I know. So we're going to put those 41 points on Mahomes, and everyone likes to bring up the few turnovers in the Rams game. He had six touchdowns in that game. He was the only reason that they were in that position. Yep. Also, in all four of their losses, he wasn't really on the field. Like, exactly. It, 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 it wasn't his fault because of the other team. Right. So I, it's at a point now where it really frustrates me, and I can't even have like a sensible conversation because I just want to hit people and – and violence is not the answer. No, it's not. No, I mean, is it his fault Kelvin Benjamin dropped the ball in the end zone last time? Oh, my God. That's what I mean. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I do feel like it turned a little yesterday, Lefko. I will say that. I feel Did it? Because I'm still getting dumbass tweets. Well, yeah, I just to say, just from football people, when I was watching pregame shows on TV yesterday, there was still, you know, one or two that, oh, maybe this, you know, Drew Brees will never have a chance to win it again. There was that talk where I wanted to be like, are you kidding me? That's the dumbest point ever. But I do think that most of the football people I saw were just like, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes has got it. He's clearly the MVP. And, you know, again, as long as Booger and Witten aren't the votes. I'll tell you what, Wit, because of them interceptions, I think I'm going to have to go Drew Brees. I agree with you because he's such a good leader. Like, okay. I, anyway. Well, and, 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 well, and again, you know, just like to remind everybody that what he's doing is with the same talent Alex Smith had on the team last year. In fact, it's less because Alex Smith had Kareem Hunt. Yes. Had Albert Wilson all year. And- hey, Sims, someone tweeted me last night. Yeah. 
The only stats that Mahomes has over Breeze is passing yards and touchdowns. Yes. And in my head, I went, oh, you mean the two most important stats? That's it. Like I like that was their argument for Breeze. Yeah. As though like completion percentage and interceptions and like get the fuck well, out of here. It's become what you guys all they all talked about for the last four weeks how the Saints had the best scoring defense in the NFL. And now, like, get out of here. Dude. Yeah, I well, can't it's become with Patrick Mahomes a little like Aaron Rodgers, where we're we're like, Oh, it's Patrick Mahomes coming into town this week. We don't even say the team, we just say the player. You know what I mean? Like even with New England, it was like, oh gosh, it's Brady and Belichick and the Patriots, and you know, you had a you. It's all of that encompassed, and even with the Saints, I feel like it's the same way. Like, oh, it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees together. But when it's Kansas City, it's everybody turns on because they go, I want to watch this young player, Patrick Mahomes. And to your point, Lefko, to just to show you what guys are being asked to do, I mean. Mahomes has completed five more passes than Drew Brees this year for 900 more yards. So their completions, he has five more completions than Drew Brees, but 900 more yards. So that just tells you what he's being asked to do when he does drop back to throw. Yeah, I think it's the hardest thing about football is knowing what is actually out there to be done and not just looking at the results. Exactly right. What's there to be had. Yes, 100%. All right, let's move on to Philadelphia, Houston. Oh, baby. So my dad was at the game, and I you definitely didn't see this, but there was this thing on social media. This guy got on his skull tattooed the LII Super Bowl of the like the Eagles Patriots. Right. And I've always forgot my dad sits in the section with this guy called Tatman, and his entire body is covered in just Eagles tattoos. Right. Like I went there for a pre and it's that guy. And I was like, oh my God, I was wondering. I said, Dad, why does he why did he get it? It said AFC and NFC and not Philadelphia, New England. He goes, because he's going to tattoo his entire head into a helmet. And I was oh like, my Oh gosh. my bad. Continue to do your thing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Philadelphia Unbelievable. Philadelphia, Houston. Nick Foles magic. It's it's unbelievable. The fact that they go up 13 off a beautiful bomb to Nelson Aguilar. We're getting we're getting crossers to Alshon. I haven't seen Alshon look like this all season. Right. I'm seeing uh, he gets hurt on a third and 10 to Alshon by Jadavian Clowney. Nate Sudfeld has to come in the game. He's he throws an incomplete pass. Nate Sudfeld came out and said he thought there was defensive pass interference because the crowd erupted, but it was just Nick Foles running back onto the field. On a third and ten, he completes it to Zach Ertz. They overcome incredible plays by Deshaun Watson, where he's looking like Michael Vick yeah. overcoming a deficit. And and Nick Foles drives down. And they win the game. I'm talking about fourth down completions to Darren Sproles, where he makes a few people miss. I'm talking about fourth down completions to a touchdown in the end zone. It makes no sense to me. I have no bearing of where I am as a fan. All I know is I'm wearing a ski mask at my house and I'm praying that this team gets into the playoffs because I don't understand it. Chris Long is getting sacks after you called him out last week. Hester's getting sacks. Dude, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. 
Well, it, it, I mean, it, they're on. Our, they found their mojo. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Their backs are against the wall, and your your Eagles team is phenomenal when their backs it's are against magic. the wall. It is. It's magic. You have played two teams that you match up well with. I will say that. And, In what way? Well, I just say you know again you you played a team that you know okay they're they're they let up a lot of big plays in the secondary uh just like the rams do right and their front four you know your offensive line was capable of handling their front four but unlike a deal. lot of if, teams yeah but if our offensive line can handle that front four they can handle any front four no doubt no doubt about it yes you're exactly right added to the fact that what's been my biggest thing i've said about the houston texans they let up too many big plays in the past game. Always, it's it's every week. We saw Sam Darnold torch them last week, and the Jets. True. I mean, so that is a big issue with them. They, you know, you'll just think about your, like you said, the big fourth down throw. Great call by the Eagles. Good job by Doug Peterson. Realizing what the Texans do, they throw the wheel route to Sproles out of yep. the backfield. Right? Yeah, they it's, brought the, they brought the tight end across the formation, the wide receiver across the formation, and kind of created a one on one. Yeah, it created a one-on-one where the linebacker had to try to fight through some traffic and get through there. And yes, he couldn't get over. But uh, yes, there's just too many big plays let up in the back end by that Houston Texans defense. And yeah, Foles was phenomenal. There's, I mean, there's no denying that. That was amazing the way he stood in the pocket, made big throws throughout the day. I will say that when he is in, it does seem like the ball gets spread around more. Uh, and Carson Wentz maybe does lock on to Zach Ertz a little too much, but again, I'm, even though Ertz had like a thousand catches yesterday, yes, no, I know, I know. It, but again, I, 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 Nick Foles is playing really good. I don't want to take away from that, but I do want to make sure that everybody knows the whole team is playing better. It's not just yes. Nick Foles. I think yeah, are that's they calling the same plays? Uh, like last week, yes, there was not a whole lot different. There was a few different little shot plays that I hadn't seen them call, like your deep throw to Alshon Jeffrey where the Rams, you know, broke, uh, busted right. their coverage. There's been a few little wrinkles here and there. Nothing groundbreaking to I'm going, wow. I think the biggest thing last week, what I said, was the run game. Even yesterday, at least you ran the ball when it wasn't being successful just to keep them honest. Uh, and then, you know, you flip over to the, your defensive side of the ball, that was a good matchup for you guys, too, because it's not a great pass protecting all line. Your front four could get there by itself. It saves your they secondary. Lose, they Go lose ahead. to Marius Thomas halfway through the game. Exactly right. So they have no weapons. And they're, that's their big issue, right, Lefko? I mean, you know you've seen me write that in my notes a million times, yeah. too. The Texans, their pass offense is just not special. And as you saw in a lot of the special plays yesterday, it's just – Watson making something happen and let me find DeAndre Hopkins and go from there. And I kept yelling at your Eagles defense yesterday going, can we just double the only guy he wants to throw to? I mean, all he wants to do is throw DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know why teams let him get away with throwing it to him so much, especially in the third down or obvious passing situations. But yeah, those are things that concern me about the Texans. It's why the AFC is fascinating. It's fascinating. Nobody ever anything. It's I've never seen it like this to where I know what that means. What that means. New England's going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's a year where they're not. I do feel like that. But uh, I won't. I wouldn't be shocked. But I don't know why. But I feel like Eagle. I mean, the uh, Pats are not set up for for the Super Bowl. Uh, all right, so one thing before I have a few left go sprinkles in this game. Yeah. One thing. Boy, were the refs bad in this game. Yes, they were. 
Holy crap. There was a two-point conversion in which Nick Foles got thrown by his face mask by Jadavian Clowney in front of the ref, not called. Later in the game, Brandon Graham roughing the passer where he didn't even really fault him, called. I mean, dude, I don't know if you saw the unnecessary roughness in the Dallas-Tampa Bay game that was called on Xavier Woods. That was at a crucial time of the game. That was awful. Yes, and, right. and look, look, and I wouldn't normally do this. I don't lo- – I mean, I have done this, so I would do this, but – like Peter King wrote a whole thing in his in his article today about former referees coming out and being like, it's really bad. Something needs to change. But we did predict this before the season when four of the head referees retired. Right. No, it's um, it's the inconsistencies that drive me crazy more than anything. Um, it's how in one game you watch it and go, oh, that's not defenseless receiver, but then you turn on another game or you're in the same game and it's just a bigger moment in the game and the same type of play happens and now it is a penalty or it was, it's just right. all over the place. I think that's what drives fans crazy. It's at least what drives me crazy. There's no consistency within the game and there's no consistency when you watch different games and that's, uh, that's annoying because if you, if you felt like, okay, this is the way it is for the day, then you could deal with it, but it does seem a little wishy-washy. All right, so my other Lefko sprinkles in this game. Uh, one, Deshaun Watson has a sliding problem. Yes. Deshaun Watson, for the second week in a row, on a third down, runs for the first down and then slides a yard before it. He doesn't realize that it's where the ball is, not where the feet are. Other than that, though, I would, I honestly, over Baker Mayfield, over everybody, I'm taking Deshaun Watson as the best young quarterback in the NFL, other than Patrick Mahomes, um, because Watson really is. The, I would take Watson over Carson Wentz right now, even if Wentz was fully healthy. I yeah. really would. Yeah, I would too. I, I would. Watson is special. And, you know, yeah, he, t- he takes some bad sacks at times. And, yes, he doesn't throw the ball away. And he does the little things like you do. Where he definitely has to learn to stop taking hits. But – you have to live with him taking some of those sacks and those plays because of the play we saw towards the end of the game oh. where he broke four tackles and oh. then threw the ball down the middle of the field to I can't remember who that was. But regardless, uh, yeah, it's it's special playmaking ability. But I Was wor- it Vincent Smith? I think it might have been. You were exactly it was, right. It was, like, it was like his first or second catch ever. But it, it's the it's the it's the same thing I worry about them. What we've seen with the Texans when they play a quality defense, they can't run the ball, and it becomes all on Deshaun Watson. I mean, he can't lead the team in throwing and running in big football games like that. And yeah. that's what he did yesterday. And that's to me, that's Hopefully when you them getting Lamar Miller back will be good. They definitely need Lamar Miller. They have to. They're going to have to find creative ways to run the football too. Left go because when what, what we've seen is they kind of their run game feasts on the weak. Yes, they run good against bad defenses like Cleveland. Exactly. Yeah. Or they never seem to be able to run the ball or against the Miami Dolphins, but they never be able to seem to run the ball and, you know, against playoff quality defenses like the Eagles and that front four and what you have there. So uh, your Eagles, man, they're sitting pretty. The other left coast sprinkle I had is for everyone that wants to know, should the Eagles go with Carson Wentz in the future or Nick Foles? I believe that the Eagles, after this year, no matter what happens, should announce that their starting quarterback going forward is Carson Wentz. I also believe that they should announce that their closing quarterback going forward is Nick Foles. They Mm -hmm. should treat this like a pitching staff. 
Okay. This is the Oraldus Chapman to their whoever starting pitcher is for the Yankees. I have no idea. CC Sabathia. Okay, sure. I'd rather, I'd rather you go with Severino. He's the better one. Sure, Severino. Ahead. This is the Brad Lidge to the Cole Hamels for my right. 2008 Phillies. I'm bringing Nick Foles back, and I'm letting Carson Wentz play regular seasons, and I'm letting Nick Foles play postseasons. Because if this is what happens when Nick Foles comes in, I saw him earlier in the year. It's not the same. He's my closer. Why can't I have a closing quarterback and a starting quarterback? I think that's the way that you win Super Bowls. No, it's not the way you win Super Bowls, fanboy. They need to tr- – they, they're I, – I got to imagine that this will How be How do a- you trade Nick Foles right no. now? Well, this is it, right? This is his last year of his contract? Yes. Right, so he will go – No, no, no. Hold on. They have, have one more? They have a mutual option, which is fascinating. Yeah, well, he's going to leave, and they're going to let that him leave. That information compliments of Mina Kimes. They're going to let him leave because – they Wow. They, this is the type of thing that's going to divide the locker room. Or then, fine, you sign him and trade Carson Wentz. But I don't, oh! I don't really care either way. I'll just say this. We're all forgetting the best Eagles team I ever saw in my in my lifetime was the one in the first 14 weeks of the season last year when Carson Wentz was the MVP of football. That was the best Eagles team I ever saw. Yes, you won the Super Bowl, but you weren't as good at your best with Nick Foles last year as you were when Carson Wentz was at his best. So I'm sorry. You're worried. I know you won the game, and we're going to have to hear this talk constantly. And I have a lot of respect for Nick Foles, certainly. Um, But my my friend Dan nailed it. My friend Dan said the worst case scenario for the Eagles is that Nick Foles goes into Washington and puts up another 400 yard, three touchdown performance, and Minnesota wins. And thus, we don't get into the playoffs, and we're sitting with a huge quarterback controversy. That's the worst-case scenario for the Eagles heading into the offseason. Yeah, it it is. I I don't know. Is it worse than you guys actually winning and going into the playoffs? Yes, because if we go to the playoffs, if we make a run like – uh, like I'm still a fan. I still want to see them. Like, holy crap! What if this continues? Because then, like, maybe he gets shut down in a playoff game, or God forbid, he goes and wins the Super Bowl. That the best case scenario is Nick Foles wins another Super Bowl, and then we're like, okay, but we're still going to ride with wins. Yeah, well, there's no way that that won't happen. That you know, that's where I, I go. I don't even know what's best for the overall. Fine, picture. fine. you know what? Fine, yeah. you know what? If Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, I will gladly discuss trading Carson. Good. The Giants, like, are you kidding me? We'll take like, them. I'll take another Super Bowl. Who cares? Like, sometimes we forget the point is to win Super Bowls, not to just have a good quarterback for eight years. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. That gets lost a little sometimes. But Oh, can't wait to have that discussion for the next eight months. Holy crap. All right, but we cannot forget about Baltimore Chargers, the other game that you nailed. It was the Baltimore team that was bigger well, you, and stronger. You nailed it too, right? I mean, you nailed it. Oh, well, because to me, look, I have been questioning the Chargers all season long, and yeah. they have made me look dumb with their comeback win against Pittsburgh and their comeback win against Kansas City, but – Baltimore was one of those teams that matched up really well. Right. And I actually think the Chargers are a better road team than they are a home team. They've started off slow in their last five home games. Right. Slow against Baltimore, slow against Cincinnati. They were down 10 nothing to Arizona. It's like they've 
they start off slow at home, and Baltimore's not a defense that you want to do that to. Melvin Gordon did not look healthy. The options for the Chargers from the receiver, Keenan Allen looks slow because he's not that fast. And Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and Kenneth Dixon kind of got whatever they wanted. But in pure Baltimore fashion, man, they could have lost that game at any moment if it wasn't for that punch out and fumble return on Antonio Gates. Yeah, okay. I mean, they could have lost the game. They probably. I mean, yeah. I know you and I were texting. They probably should have been up like 13 nothing at the start of the game, right? You yes. know, they're, they're one of those teams too where you look up a lot like, uh, you know, there's a few teams in football. You look up and you go, holy, a little bit like the Pittsburgh Steelers in a lot of cases where you go. Chicago's like that, right. too. Like you're, they're kicking the Dallas shit out of this. Dallas is like yes, that. Yes, exactly. They're kicking the shit out of this team, and they're only winning 3 nothing. Like, what's going on? Story right. of Carolina's season. Exactly. So, all right, there's one point I want to bring up before I just dive into the game. You know, the one of the biggest moments of the game, and it uh, fortunately did not come back to bite Baltimore in the ass, but – when Baltimore had the ball backed up in their own end zone at the end, and they were up 16 to 10. Should have taken the safety? Exactly. That was a bad move. I was shocked that John Harbaugh, who's usually all over that type of stuff, didn't do that. That's the right play in that situation, right, Lefko? You take the safety. You're still up by four points, but now you're going to be able to kick the ball off, and Phillip Rivers is going to have to go the length of the field to score a touchdown to beat you. Instead, they chose to punt it and go – oh, you only have to go 45 yards to beat us for a touchdown. So I just found that interesting. That's just something I'm pointing out for the fans to look out for in those type of situations because it's cool. But um, I think my big thing would be this from the game. I haven't seen Phillip Rivers that confused Mm. and just under duress mentally and physically in a while. Like, the announcers continued to bring up throughout the entire game Eric Weddle's right. history with Rivers and his the way he goes at the line and then shoots back. And it did look like Phillip was having a hard time identifying scheme. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's what the Ravens do to you. They're they're scary that way. You 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 know, not only are they big and phys, you know, physical and you get out there on the field and even things you saw on film where you go, "Oh, it's open. I saw them do this against this team." Yeah. It all looks easier on film until you start to realize, "Whoa, these are really big. These passing lanes aren't quite as big as I thought. They're pushing people back into my face a lot more closely the than Ravens it looks like." Are a beautiful right. mix of an in, of an inventive coordinator and enough athletic veterans that can execute the game plan and take it to the next level. That's right. Like like Drew Brees and the Saints offense is that on the offense, the Ravens defense and Suggs and Weddle and Mosley and all those big guys. And even a guy like Carr at cornerback, who's like people forget was a top corner for like a few years, but they have all the pieces that don't just execute, but can also add wrinkles themselves. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not about just execute. It's about their football acumen, their ability to know what's trying to be accomplished, their ability to disguise things. They're all on the same page. You can really tell that they all understand each other's job. That's the one thing when I watch film on the Ravens, like the corner understands exactly where the safety is supposed to be yeah. and where the linebacker is supposed to be. So that makes him better at covering his guy because he understands where his help is. But yeah, how many times in the game, right, Lefko, did we see Rivers drop back and he go, oh gosh, you know, he's under a little pressure. There's nobody open downfield. Let me throw to my short guy. Oh gosh, he's covered. Let me just take the ball and, and hold it and I'll get sacked, right? How many times did you see little 
little moments like that where he thought, oh, I'm going to be able to throw the ball to my safe guy. Oh, my gosh, he's covered too. What do yeah. I do? And that's like to what you said. The Ravens are a game plan specific type defense where, you know, yeah, it's cover two this week. And then the next week it's cover two again, but it's a different version of cover two that fits how they want to defend the team they're playing on that week. And I think that's what's impressive about them. That's what makes them dangerous in the playoffs too. I mean, that D and that run game and Lamar we're seeing is capable of making a few big throws every game to give them a chance. So so right now it's looking like it's going to be Chargers Ravens right. in the wild card, which um, I feel like is a it's a it's it's harder now for Baltimore because yes. I feel like they just play their perfect game. I'm also a firm believer that I know we haven't had a wild card team win the Super Bowl in eight years since Rogers did it. If there's one team that can do it because they love to play on the road, it's the Chargers. Like, yeah. I really think if they get on the road, sometimes they're more comfortable because Philip loves to be in that I'm going to ruin your dreams mentality. My, my question, just to wrap this game up for you, is where are we with Lamar Jackson? Because in the second half, he wasn't able to complete any passes. I just I just wasn't sure how much was him, how much was good Chargers scheme from what you saw. Yeah, from what I saw, I mean, the Chargers pass defense, it's pretty damn good. I mean, their pass rush, you know, they have a lot of speed in the back end. So, you know, uh, you, you think you have holes in the zone and you throw it in there and you realize, oh, man, that was a lot closer than what it, what I thought it would be. Uh, I'm still very positive on Lamar Jackson and all the things he brings to the table. Oh, I mean, sure. his running is special and he makes, you know, a handful of special throws every game. It's not perfect. I get that. There are still moments where, you know, he flicks the ball or he doesn't do things mechanically right. But, you know, like you saw with the big touchdown pass in the third quarter when they were down 10 to 6, he answers right back and throws a big time throw to the kid Andrews, the tight end going across the field. And, you know, those are the type of things that I think we'll continue to see as he gets comfortable. You know, right now, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's being told all week, like, hey, we're running the ball, we're playing yeah. defense, be careful. It's really hard to play quarterback like that. I really can't stress to you that enough. Like we've talked about that with Matthew Stafford, right, this year where he's having to play that way and it's like right. culture shock. It's the same thing with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Nobody's told him anything his whole life because he's always been like so gifted. They're just like, go play and go win yeah. the game. And now he's being managed and he's dropping back and seeing people open where he might normally throw it. But he goes, <gasps> he can hear his coach's voice, Harbaugh in his head going, it's okay to punt it. Our defense is really good. And, right. you know, I think you know, we have to take that into account too. But I think all is still on the up and up with Lamar. Speaking of Harbaugh, Friday night, 7 o'clock, press release comes out. They're working on an extension. Peter King article comes out Monday morning. He could still leave. Yeah. It's getting spicy in Baltimore. I love it. Yeah, I I do think, you know. I want Harbaugh to leave. Not because I don't want him. Because I think him and Lamar and the way they've built this team could be really good. Right. But Harbaugh, I feel like, is like starting to realize his worth. And is like, I can start anew somewhere if I really want to and hit the free agency in a year where there's not a lot of great coaching candidates and demand a salary in the eight to nine to 10 range. Yeah, well, I, he's a phenomenal coach. You know, I'm a big fan of him, really. Um, and he uh, I, I think th- that really and this is some league people I've talked to. There's some thought that the Ravens are signing him. You know, they're going to sign him back and maybe give him an extension 
but also might still be willing to trade him like Ooh. a la like John Gruden back in the well, day. With there the was Raiders. a rumor. There was a rumor two weeks ago that the Bucks might be interested in trading for him. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think the two the, there's there's two teams that I know and one for sure, like the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross. He definitely has his eye on John Harbaugh. I, I know that. And I think he really actually wants Jim Harbaugh, but he doesn't want to screw over his alma mater in Michigan. So he's moved on to John. The other one I'd watch out for is the Denver Broncos. I do think there's a a little uh, something going on there where they wouldn't mind if John Harbaugh was available to bring him in. Uh, so there, there's going to be options for Harbaugh. He would be, yes, if he's made available, will be like the most wanted guy in the coaching search. And it's not just John. I'm seeing articles today. The Jets are interested in Jim. Yes. Well, um, you've heard me say that. Um, I, I have do, heard you. I'm I, the only one. I'm the only one that's currently being a part of this podcast that's heard you. So you can share some stuff. With yes. Well, listeners. you're right. So I've been telling everybody out there, and Lefko can vouch for me. I've been telling Lefko for about the last ten days that I know there's one team that is not going to do anything until they've talked to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and I believe I finally told you what last Thursday, maybe I finally said, I kind of, you, you, you told me like you normally do, which is I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> yes. okay, so, so I did, I let you know, but yes, the jets are that team. And I think uh, they are looking to make that type of splash signing with a Jim Harbaugh, maybe make him the highest paid coach in all of NFL, maybe the highest paid coach in the history of the sport. Like that type of deal. I know to get him in here and get the fan base behind it and everything. And uh, they better hope it's a four year contract because that's all he's going to be there. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of things you got to worry about. I mean, you got to worry about the GM that's in place. Do you want him to deal with Jim Harbaugh? Can he deal with Jim Harbaugh? Uh, Is Jim Harbaugh going to, you know, go behind his back and, and played politics a little bit. What happened with San Francisco with him and Trent Balky. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into play when you sign Jim. All right, let's go through some of the best moments, some betting, and then some sprinkles, and we'll get out of here. Cool. Some of the best moments of the week, uh, the Kyle Rudolph Hail Mary at the end of the half. Crazy. If you, if you weren't watching that game, Detroit was dominating that game. Dominating. Kyle Rudolph touchdown, Minnesota runs away with it. And the playoff implications of that were crazy. Right. Because now it, it put Minnesota really back in the driver's seat. But what a what an awesome throw. Kirk Cousins pulled an Aaron Rodgers in Detroit against Detroit in Detroit. <laughs> How dare you steal my lines, Lefko? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. And it was in the same end zone, right? Am I am I correct it with was. that? Yeah, to the same yeah. one that he threw it to Richard Rodgers. Yeah, and you know what's amazing? Like the thing I look at right away is of course, I mean, Kirk Cousins got it out there, right? He threw it about 60, 60 yards, right? Somewhere in there, maybe 65-ish. It was, a four, uh, it was from a 44, but... And I think it got about five end. yards in the end zone, right? So it was yeah. about 61 yards. The thing about... The thing I looked at more than anything, Lefko, is... Ro- I mean, Rodgers threw it 66 or 7, but the thing I looked at more than anything was how much higher Rodgers' ball yes. went than Kirk Cousins. When you, w- I went back and watched the highlight because like people were showing it. Like, look, it's a lot same. Rodgers' ball went like an extra like twenty five feet in the air, which was uh, unbelievable. Watching that back. 
props to the offensive coordinators. Uh, we've been giving a lot of props to the one in Cleveland uh, that came out of nowhere and has been killing it, uh, Freddie Kitchens. Yep. And also props to Stefanski. The two issues with the Vikings offense this year, where's Dalvin Cook and why is Kyle Rudolph no longer existent? Kyle Rudolph with a monster game. Stefanski's got that offense clicking. Yes, he does. I mean, he just he's at least making you defend something where he's going to go, okay, well, we got Dalvin Cook and we're going to run yes. that. And the football – yeah, I, I, I was just going to say the football fan in me knows that the Vikings are a better playoff team than the Eagles. But at the right. same point, the mystery of Nick Foles means the Eagles can really compete with anybody. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And, and you know, to the tight end running back, like they play hand in hand. Right. I mean, how do we how, many, how do we see Gronk get it so open in New England all the time? Oh, they fake their they fake the run game and then it's Gronk down the middle. You know, that's such a big part of tight end play is being able to run the football to put those linebackers in a bind to go, okay, you're going to stop the run or are you going to drop back in coverage and stop our tight end going across the middle? And I think that's why you've seen that there. Uh, yeah, the, the the Vikings as much as we don't talk about them. They, they got all the pieces. They got all the pieces. They don't need anything Except special. Interior offensive line. That'll be an issue. They certainly will. And, and if Stefanski can find ways just to kind of save them here and there in certain situations and be creative and run game design and things like that, uh, which you can, you can find ways to slow down that interior part of a D line. Yeah, they can be dangerous because of that defense and Cousins and Diggs and Thielen and Cooks. They can make plays to where they could upset a team that's maybe better than them in the playoffs. Other great moments. Aaron Donald is now at 19 and a half sacks. It's unreal. Uh, in terms of players that had two or more sacks in a game in a season, uh, Reggie White had a season where he had eight. Chris Dolman had a season where he had seven games with two or more sacks. Bruce yeah. Smith had seven. Aaron Donald is now at seven. But 19 and a half at that position is wild. He deserves praise from us because he's incredible. Um, uh, Jacksonville at one point yesterday had a fourth and 46, which is very Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> Baker staring at Hugh Jackson after awesome. his throw to Njoku is just Baker's the dude, bro. I freaking love him. He's the dude. And I mean, I, some of his throws are unreal. That's what I mean. I mean, his throws are unreal. They're, they have quietly become one of my f more fun watches on film on a weekly basis, Left go. The throw from Landry to Brashad Perryman. Insane. They, they fake the reverse to yep. Perryman. Then they toss it. Then a reverse to Landry. And then a double pat. And I'm going to raise the question. Which LSU wide receiver has the better right, arm? Right. Odell or Landry? Because Landry not only had zip on his, it was a beautiful arc, and he threaded the needle. He did. That, it wasn't like the guy was wide open. He had to make it like a legit throw, uh, and he did. He ripped it. He threw a perfect spiral. It's, you know, and again, going back to great play calling and why it's like my favorite, one of my favorite offenses to watch right now on film. They you know, ran that play, but they ran it with Landry, not thrown it. The it last that, there we go. That's what I was going to say. See, that's how you tie plays together. So a defense goes, oh, we saw this on film two weeks ago. They're going to run that little run play. They ran with Landry for two touchdowns two weeks ago, and he pulls up and throws. That's what a great OC does. Those yep. are the little things I see week to week. Like, you know, you've heard me talk about their run game and how they tie the play action pass with it. And it's those little things that I go for the Cleveland Browns, first of all, Whoever your coach is, make Kitchens your OC. I, I, I think that is a, a definite 
like talking point for sure. Kitchens is definitely going to be an OC somewhere next year in the NFL. It might as well be in Cleveland because it seems like Baker Mayfield also loves him. Sure. But man, the Browns are going to be a pain in the ass for the Ravens this week. That is going to be. I know. I would not over. be surprised if the Ravens miss the playoffs because Baker goes out there and throws some piss missiles. We talk about matchup football and we talked about how the Ravens match up great with the Chargers. Well, I can sit here and tell you that the Browns match up with the Ravens. And they could Unless be. Unless the Ravens just pound them. They could, but I, you know, I would, I got to see that. The Browns have yeah. not been poundable since Greg Williams has taken over as defensive coordinator. That's one of the areas he's fixed. So I, I, I got to see it to believe it. All right. So some big, mo- oh, by the way, as you were talking, yeah. I just got a bleacher report alert. Right. Jets deny Harbaugh interest. Todd Bowles is our head coach. There's no truth to the report of our interest in Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's like they heard us talking about Well, it. yeah, it's everywhere right now, and they're just trying to kind of calm that down. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. All right, so uh, the big betting things that I saw this weekend, there were some great ones. Tennessee, Washington. Oh. Tennessee is up three. Washington, Josh Johnson, pick six with time expiring. They go up nine. The line for some people was nine and a half. Uh, We got it at 10. And because of the Saints-Vikings game, they do not have to kick the extra point. So instead of winning or pushing, you bet on Tennessee, you lost in heart-wrenching fashion. Killer for the betters out there. That was. I was thinking about the betters out there. Don't worry. You can talk, like uh, Danielle. Yeah, we're just going to hear you. Number yeah. two, <laughs> the Patriots are up 24 to six with like six minutes left. Tom Brady sits down. What happens? Josh Allen throws a 40 yard touchdown to Zay Jones with one minute and three seconds left. And instead of covering, they get a loss. The line was 13. They win by 12 and Buffalo covers the bet did you have the patriots in that game of course i had the patriots (laughs) are you kidding me how about this one i had the cowboys minus seven oh god they're up 27 to 13 (laughs) and with just about a minute left Jameis winston finds mike evans for a touchdown Fuck, fuck, fuck. 27 to 20. Not uh, a cover, a push. What amazing. a kick in the balls. What a, yeah, I wish I wish they would have got not the push so you would have lost more money. That would have been better. That would have been great. And then how about this one? We wait, got wait, wait, before we move on, just from that for one second. Like just first of all, two things. I mean, again, the cowboy defense is amazing, but a guy that just never gets enough credit who's one of the best at his position in football, Mike Evans. Like, I hope everybody appreciates what Mike Evans does on a weekly basis. At no, six we five. can't. We can't. Yeah. Because they're always down 14, and he's always catching a touchdown to make it a little bit closer, and he plays in Tampa Bay, and his quarterbacks are the story for how unreliable they are. I know, but he ma- it's not all bullshit yards with him. You know, he makes a lot of big catches when the game's in, the, in meaning, you know, sure. so don't, I don't want you to do a label him like that. Um, we got it at seven and a half, but a lot of people got Cincinnati plus nine. The game is over. Cleveland is kicking the crap out of them. And here comes a punt block, two touchdowns from Jeff Driscoll, and they go for two and Cincinnati gets down eight and they're covering, but oh no. 
Cleveland, Baker Mayfield finds David Njoku, who goes all the way down inside the 10, but... After Baker Mayfield stares down Hugh Jackson, they decide we're not going to kick a field goal. We're not going to go for a touchdown. And Cincinnati covers for so many people out there. An amazing comeback, which just shows you betting nine and a half or nine with a team like the Browns. It's just scary. Yes, it is. You're but, I'm but, betting scary all d- together. I don't know how everybody out there does it on a week. I'm I'm intense and pulling my hair out with no money on these games. I don't know yes. how everybody else is doing it. Gambling makes these games so much more fun. But the big thing, on my mantle at home, Sims, I have four tickets from betting that I made in Atlantic City back in August. Right. Number one. I had the Eagles beating the Falcons minus two and a half. That's a winner. It's a good ticket. I'll cash it in sometime this summer. Yeah. My second bet, Baltimore Ravens over eight and a half wins for the season. They just got their ninth on Saturday Damn. winning ticket. I'm going to cash that this off season. I have two more tickets, Sims. Yep. I have Buffalo under six wins. How many wins do they have right now? What are they at? Five? Five. Yeah. I have Miami over seven. How many wins do they have right now? Oh, seven. This Sunday, Buffalo plays Miami. <laughs> I am either going to get two winning tickets and go 4-0 and in my preseason bets, or I'm going to go 0 for 2 and split the year 2-2. and It literally, I made a bet in August, and it all comes down to this weekend. To Incredible. Buffalo, Miami, whoa. Like, like I am going to be so invested in a game that literally means nothing. And that's why gambling in the NFL is perfect. Yes, uh, that's that's amazing. Wait, so all right, so wait, you have Dolphins winning over seven, seven. over seven, right? And oh. Buffalo under six. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that it's really and, and I, I'm just sitting there staring at these tickets, going, "Oh baby, come on!" Oh, and that game's in Buffalo too. You're I in know, deep I'm trouble. So, I'm so fucked. Deep trouble. <laughs> I just didn't expect Buffalo to get the wins over Detroit this year. I didn't no. expect them. That's uh, why, that's why, like the Sims and Lefko coach of the year, like we, oh, we, yeah, we gotta up there. We got to give him a lot of credit for the what he's done with that football team this year. Oh, killer! All right, and then the other remaining sprinkles that I had, yeah. Aaron Rodgers needed to put on a display to show every coaching candidate, don't worry about how I'm hard to deal with. Don't worry about the situation here in Green Bay because with no coaching staff helping me, I can show you without McCarthy that I can hang up 442 yards, four total touchdowns, and come back down late and win a game by myself because I'm Aaron. Aaron frickin' Rodgers, and I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was watching that game, you know, with laser focus throughout the day. But all I know is in the fourth corner, I started to perk up because I went, whoa, yeah. they're down 35 to 20. And as, you know, we talk about with him a lot, and I think we talked about this during our podcast last week, 
the Jets are the type of team that I I thought Rodgers could take over against, right? Because they have no edge speed, no pass rushers to where, you know, he could do what he did, which was dance around and make throws and scramble. And, uh, yeah, he just reminded us before the season's over, like, hey, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is really good, but don't forget about me, everybody. Awesome. And also, I'm super happy that my man Sam Darnold is finishing the season playing well. It's playing great. phenomenal. He really Love is. That, that was a great game by him yesterday. Next left goes Sprinkle. As everyone's going to crown Baker Mayfield Rookie of the Year, the Rookie of the Year in the NFL is Saquon Barkley. As of today, he has 1,886 total yards. In the history of the NFL, he's currently fourth for rookies in total yards with 38 more yards on Sunday, he will move to number three surpassing Billy Sims behind only Eric Dickerson and Edgerin James. Both of those guys in most publications, won offensive rookie of the year that year. Right. However, Dickerson did lose it to a number of places to who? Dan Marino, who led the Dolphins to a 12 and four record and a Super Bowl run. So let me just say this. Baker Mayfield is not having the same season as Dan frickin' Marino. Saquon Barkley has a chance with 124 yards to have 2,000 all-purpose yards in the season, which no people predicted except for Chris Sims. Thank you, sir. Chris Sims said Saquon Barkley would have 2,000 total yards, which is an absurd prediction. And if he gets it, Saquon should be offensive rookie of the year. He did it the whole year. Without doubt. Uh, Lefko, I mean, you're I'm glad you're saying it one more time. He's he's the best running back in football. Nobody does more with less. And the the thing I always say is I just beat this into people's brains. Remember, this is the same team that we complain that the offensive line can't protect the quarterback, but nobody wants to use that excuse to go Saquon Barkley is running for 1100 yards against behind this crappy offensive line. I, that's what I don't get. So so one player on the team gets the benefit of the offensive line not being good, and then the other guy who's actually playing good, nobody talks about he's doing well with that same offensive line you're saying is bad for the other guy on the offense. So mm-hmm. that that's where I look at it. For him to be averaging 4.9 yards per carry wow, behind that, that offensive line. line. The right. same offensive line that is used to excuse Eli. Exactly. is is crazy. That's one of the greatest stats of the seasons, the fact that he's averaging the same as Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, a little more than Ezekiel Elliott per carry, and he has that O-line. Uh, another running back that was part of my sprinkle. Yeah. I just want to say that Todd Gurley's amazing. But when I look up at 237 on Championship Fantasy Football Sunday, and that means a lot of people are expecting him to play at four o'clock, and he's a surprise inactive, is one of the ultimate gut shots I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, amazing all year. This is completely related to fantasy. Wild. Wild. Yeah, that was. That was wild, but that was the right play. I'm glad they did that. There's yeah, no get point. him rested. Right. Exactly right. Uh, There's no The point. other thing I'll say is, at one point yesterday, Cody Kessler goes down and Blake Bortles comes into the game. Apparently, it was a coach's decision because Doug Marone is flip-flopping black to Blake. And I want to give a shout-out to the guy that slid into my DMs 
right after the game and said, hey, MFR, Bortles just got the win. He's clutch AF. Say his name. You owe him an apology. When the Jacksonville Jaguars went on a pick six and Bortles throws for less than 40 yards, I want to give a special shout out to the Bortles supporters out there that still believe. I don't know where you guys are from. I don't know how you got to this place. I don't know who raised you, but thank you because your loyalty is unmatched and I've never seen anything like it. You're a little crazy, but man, I appreciate your love for the 70th best quarterback in the NFL. What, what a guy, that guy that slid in my DMS. What a guy. What a guy. I he mean, was waiting. As soon as it ended, I get the DM. Bortles is clutch. Man. And I was like, you're out of your freaking mind. That's what everybody was thinking when they were watching that one was, man, that quarterback is clutch. Look at that. Yep. Uh, yeah. I don't even know how to talk about that subject. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny is I've had like people – you know, over the last month, just been like, man, you were right about the Bortles thing. You really stuck to your guns. You were right. You know, uh, and I want to be like, I mean, of course I was right. I mean, I don't know what anybody was watching before that. Just garbage time stats. And that was proving everybody or, or making everybody's case. But, um, man, that looked like one ugly game. I didn't waste too much time I didn't, watching I didn't that. see. I saw literally 40 seconds of it. But I bet 200 bleacher bucks on it like an idiot. Oh, uh, Little news that just came out. DJ Swearinger was just cut. Ooh. I don't know if you saw his post-game comments on Saturday. No, what did he pretty, say after the game? He pretty much called out Minuski and said, why would you put us in man-to-man when we are a defense that loves to look at the quarterback and we thrive in zone and you kept putting us in man-to-man? And he did that for like a minute and 20 seconds, and now he's cut. Wow. And he was by far their best safety this season. Wow, that's, that's uh, huge. I mean, he was really one of the leaders of their defense but he has spouted off a lot as of late and it's obviously gone into the meeting rooms and of course saying it publicly that's just yeah he's not that good to where he can call out coaches like that he's a good player he's got great attitude he's always on his game as far as knowing he's kind of the quarterback of that defense but he's not talented enough to where he needs to be calling out the organization he's not on that level Mm. Uh, right before we went on, I went on Twitter uh, and I said, I'm coming in. I'm the only one there. Who? What? Any questions before we get to it? Uh, so let's do three quickly and we'll wrap cool. up at around an hour 15. All right. Uh, David Green, what would be the over under total on a Ravens Bears Super Bowl? Um, <laughs> what do you think? Minus two? Well, he's saying over under. Yeah, like how many points total if the Ravens played the Bears in the Super Bowl? By the way, my AFC championship prediction of Ravens-Texans would be a very saucy championship. That would be. That would be a a bloodbath. Uh, I think like Ravens-Bears over-under would probably be like 42 points or somewhere in there, right? I mean, something. Maybe. Yeah, I would say it gets to the 40s, but not much more than that. Maybe 38. I don't think so, but I would say about 42. Um, you got a guess? Yeah, I think it might be like 38. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere in that range. Douglas Cotchin, if you guys could play football with any player, past or present, who would you play with? Ooh. Any player, past or present. Gosh. I would pick Mike Allstott. <laughs> 
It is a good I'm just experience, like, I can tell I, you. Yeah. It, it, what is it like to hand off and just watch him bludgeon? Oh, I, he was uh, one of the, again, one of the more freaky guys that was ever around. His ability to take on hits and, like, put his right shoulder, like, all the way down to his right ankle and, like, take people on that way and then bounce his off balance them. was insane. Insane. His leg power was insane. He was one of the greatest pranksters ever. He was, you know, really one of the first hybrid, like, tailback, fullback combinations in the NFL where, yeah, he could be a traditional fullback, but when we got late in the fourth quarter, we said, okay, you're back to tailback, start wearing people out. Uh, he was pretty awesome. But I don't, I'd have to go with, like, I actually think of guys like Lauren. I think of, like, personalities more, like Lawrence Taylor or – Deion Sanders, like to be right. on teams with them in their prime and to be able to see that and their, you know, their attitude and flavor that they bring to the, the, the locker room on a daily basis. It would be someone along those lines. Last one here from Bear Revels, which I think is a great question. What's it like as a player for your team to have coaching rumors, firing and or hiring? Um. It because is, you've yeah. talked before about Brandon Marshall playing when you're up for a contract right. and the stress that that has. Yeah, what is it like when your coach, though, the leader of your team, is being rumored to be on the outs? Yeah, it's it's not easy. You Those are where you hear all the cliches from players to just go, like, I just got to worry about my job. I got to continue to work. Because you do, you sit there and you go, just like anybody at any job, when you know, the, the the head people at your office are going to be gone or rumored to be gone. You go, man, is that going to be me too? Is the new head coach going to like me? Is the new GM going to like me? So really, as a player, you just try to, like I said, cliche it and block all the noise out and go, I'm going to play my best game this week and continue to try to play the best ball I can to where the next staff comes in and they evaluate me. Hopefully they like me because as you and I both know, only the superstars are going to be guaranteed to be back when there's a regime change like that. Yeah, the, the guys that are being paid the most and the three or four best players, yeah, sure, you're locked to be there no matter who comes in. But everybody else is going to be going on to the offseason going, I think I'm going to be here. I hope I'm going to be here. Uh, but the, those are the questions that are all in their minds right now. Wow. As we're wrapping up, I get an alert that says Mariota can miss week 17 showdown with Colts because of that stinger. And I'm just going to put my bias right out there. Good. I want the Colts as the six seed. I want nothing. I do not want the Titans in the playoffs. I mean, that was the annoying thing about that game the other night. I was going, oh my gosh, I don't want either one of these teams. Neither one of these teams have anything elite on their football team at any position or unit. That's what I looked at with those two teams. I mean, when those quarterbacks can convert third downs the way they were, that just tells you there's nothing elite on either defense. You know, that's those. I, I want not Tennessee. I'm rooting for the Colts so hard so this weekend. Hard. I can tell you that. Yeah, I want because the Colts have elite things on their team. They have an yes. elite O line and an elite quarterback, which allows them to play with anybody. Tennessee, yeah, they could play with anybody, but they could also get blown out by 25 in a playoff game, and I don't want to see that. Agreed. All right, let's wrap it up there. Sims, you're the man. Merry Christmas to Thank your family. You. I hope that you guys have a great time. Thanks, man. We are. Up. We're looking for it. I got the wife. She's cooking pastas, and she's so Italian over here right now. She's making seafood for us uh, 
for us a white people on Christmas. I was going to say, are you guys doing the seven fishes? We don't do seven fishes, but we got three or four in the mix. So, yeah, my nice. Sicilian wife's doing it. Charlotte's over here on the computer looking at her animals. Um, and Phillip's upstairs dressed like Cam Newton already playing Madden. So you guys are going to have your Italian Christmas. I am going to my girlfriend's family's house cool. uh, and I will be having a Nigerian Christmas, which is jollof rice, which if you don't know, you need to know because it's incredible. Right. And uh, apparently they this happened last year. They're doing it again. They just dance. So luckily I have rhythm. And I, I get down. You do. You do get down. So that's good. I don't know about you have rhythm, but you get down. So that'd be good. Watch your mouth. <laughs> All right. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick is in what Argentina. Country? Wow. He's hanging out with Messi. Yeah. Shout out to Fendrick, who was on a mountain bike ride today, which his vacations and my vacations are very Yeah. Different. His are like work. He's like doing Google spreadsheets as he's climbing up a mountain. You know, the only work I'm doing is signing the hotel bill at the end. Four <laughs> fed, he would say good evening, good evening. and the, the L-E-F-K-O-E man says holla holla holla. We'll be back later this week with our bets. Sims is catching up. And we'll Happy talk holidays. to you guys later. Happy holidays, everybody.